When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Walsh muscles it clear underneath. Hand pass to Murphy, bumbles it inside the 50. Nunes to Gibbons on the fly this time. He hit that one well. And the Blues have the firsts. Here's Fisher, full head of steam. Lacosis was spent and he leaves him in his wake. Two bounces make it three around the chicane. A handball to Eddie Betts. A duck to the left, back to the right. And Eddie finishes and there's joy around the ground. Ben King does his best thing of the night. A lovely handball to Lemons. And that frees up Weller, who bounces into the 50. He gets close enough that he shouldn't miss. And he doesn't. Casbolt has it knocked away by Ballard. Gibbons plays Crummer. Hand pass to Walsh. Turns away from the traffic. Got it to Nunes. Then to Curdo from 45. Yes! Bose didn't mark. He was first to recover. Then he lost the greasy oh. ball. Nunes just sucking it through. Everything he touches turns to gold at the moment. It puts the game beyond doubt if it wasn't already. Long kick on the way out as time expires. The Blues square the ledger at six and six, and they are free to make their run at the bottom of the eights. They handsomely account for the Suns in Darwin on a hot August night. The percentage doesn't phase me as much. At the end, we might come back to it, but it's more our way of finishing our work and, and the team that we want to be. And I thought we did a lot right, and that was probably the one thing that let us down was, was some of our, our ball use and decision-making with the ball. As a whole, it was, was pretty good. It probably just wasn't quite at the standard that, that we want to achieve. So we've, we've got some work to do, and we've got to get better in that area. Sir Doug Nichols' round opens with a Blues victory that has the Carlton faithful running the numbers. I swear there's a couple of them with the ladder predictor open right now. Is there a place in the finals for David Teague's men? Being a one-club player would be mean a lot to me, but sometimes things like that can get taken out of your hands. We continue to work with the Victorian government. Wherever we land, we'll be in constant with them and we're having conversations with, with others. So I think all of that will come together and we'll have a decision by the end of next week. That lack of discipline, Damien talked about it last week, as we just need to get that out of, out of our team. Anything that uh, is an embarrassment or lessens the pride of our members in our club is of great concern to me. Yeah, I thought the carry-on was completely over the top, to be fair. I found it disappointing, especially from some of the, you know, the players that made comments. Disappointed, frustrated and angry because we all understand the, the obligation we have. I'm really clear. This is not an easy mistake to make when you know all the information. This is just a selfish mistake. When the footy frenzy stops, the action moved off fields and it was full-blown contact sports. Competitive tension peaks as one of the biggest decisions in AFL history looms, where will the grand final be played? This is Crunch Time. The clean away Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's never miss a goal with McDelivery. The Saturday of round 13 of Sir Doug Nichols' round. There's an intriguing set of matches to come and... 
or the ladder. Nothing matters more than running the maths from here. Unless you're a Premier and you're looking at an untimely cluster in your mm -hmm. state and the reimposition of some level of restriction when you're about to sew up the grand final. Luke Hodge is on hand in Brisbane. Hello to you, Luke. Good morning, mate. It's, uh, yeah, timing not ideal considering there's, uh, I think there's only, it's only nine new cases, but considering how good Queensland have been, but uh, they've they've cut a lot of things up here. So where we are at the moment, and I, we're not complaining considering what Victoria are going through, but they've cut numbers and gatherings to 10 people inside and outside, obviously excluding sport. That's obviously a big one in there considering it's got to do with the grand final. Uh, on the outer skirts of, of Brisbane and, and Queensland, it's it's up to 30. So I think Anastasia's tried to jump onto this really quickly and, and shut it down as soon as possible. Do you think if she was planning to guarantee the AFL on Monday 30,000 at the Gabba for a grand final, do you think it puts the slows on that? Uh, yeah, it has to. I think when we see how seriously... This can spread uh, if you look what's happened in other, in other states. It, it's got to put a bit of dampener on it, considering how hard she's been. I guess she's been very vocal in how much she wants uh, the AFL Grand Final up here. They've they've uh, relaxed a lot of rules and obviously been very flexible with the AFL, so they could continue the season and and they've done a fantastic job. So especially when the AFL are going to make a decision very soon, yeah. uh, we believe that this is obviously a little bit of a spanner. But in saying that, um, she hasn't waited round to get to 50 or 100. She's seen how fast it, it can spread and she shut it down straight away. So um, obviously it's it's 10 people, which which it's still obviously can pass. People are still allowed out and around. But um, any worse than this, and there's no doubt she's going to come down a bit harder because she wants the grand final up here. I wonder if it'll reinstitute the sense of racing the pandemic that I think the AFL had probably reached a reasonably comfortable position and the idea of a pre-finals buy. I wonder if there's just that little bit of urgency that that re-sparks when you, when you realise how quickly things can change. So we'll delve into that on Crunch Time. Luke, I have to tell you, my Carlton comrades here had a predictor. Is there a way in? So it's six and six, 100%, five to go. Collingwood your, Giants, Sydney, Adelaide, Brisbane. <laughs> Andy Marr, hello. It, uh, it troubled me enormously, the reaction I had to that shot of Patrick Cripps walking back into the rooms last night <laughs> screaming, the Blues are back. <laughs> I, I did go places I didn't want to go after Cripps did that. It started uh, lighting. The lid's off. Oh, the lid is I, off. I want to keep it on, Hodgie, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it's going to go one of two ways. When, when Cripps does that and everybody sees it, he's either recognised something in the performance and it's something new and something that's exciting to him and it's going to take him deeper into this season or it's not. And he's just about getting carried away. And for nah. the next four weeks, it'll get thrown back in his face by Collingwood supporters at Al. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes, Hodgie. Oh, I absolutely love that. For a bloke who's coming in, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, so do I. Well, he, he came in, he showed passion. He believes that the group he's got around it. And, and fair enough, what they showed since Teague jumped on board and, and started steering the ship last year and what they've shown this year at times yes they've lost a few games that they probably should have won but he believes in the blokes around him so there's nothing wrong for a captain to come out show his passion who cares the cameras are there we've seen other parts throughout this year where we've seen bad things on camera and, and things we don't want to talk about or see again I want to see that from the Carlton players especially their captain because he knows what the group he's got around him and 
I think a lot of the other teams, if it comes back to bite him in the backside, then who cares? But I think he shows what he's really made of, and he's excited by by his teammates and what they're producing. He should aspire to it, shouldn't it? Absolutely. At this, at this yeah. point, Hodgie, they should be chasing it hard. Without a doubt. Anything you can get with, with showing your teammates the belief that they're what they've been able to do for the last 12 months. Um, nothing. There's certainly at times captains have got to come in and say, let's boys put a, put a lid on it, settle it down. But I don't think this is one of those. They're, they've worked really hard for since he's been there to get in this position. And he's just showing the boys that if we keep doing this, this is what we can deliver week in, week out. Sam Edmund, welcome. Jared, Collingwood are struggling. GWS <laughs> is struggling. Sydney's down and out. They'll have nothing to play for. Adelaide ditto. The line's at the end, but they would have sewn it up by then, surely. It makes sweet reading, doesn't it, Jared? <laughs> but the alternate to that is oh, I know what you're about Collingwood to say. Don't will, even, don't uh, even... footprint back. Toby Green returns for the Giants game, followed by Lance Franklin, who returns for the Sydney game. You know what I thought you were going to say? Because you're a nasty piece of work, Waitley. You know what I thought? You know where I thought he was going? You'll be right in it until you run into Adelaide. They'll be winless. You need to beat the Crows to get in, and Adelaide win their one game for the year against Carlton. Bit of a geisha, saying that. That, would, that would be a funny finish. Luke, <laughs> no. don't you have to be somewhere else now? Can we cut Hodges' line? He, I was excited about him two minutes ago. I don't like him now. And uh, out of last night, so Euphoria, and we did speak to Michael Gibbons in the aftermath. They rode the Euphoria when they got back to the hotel, and then they made the point that, yeah, we have to parlay that into the next game. And outside of the first three minutes of the game where the Suns did, they had the hot start, is Carlton just imposed themselves. Mm. It was, a, it was a, I know there are reasons for the Suns, which we'll get to. It was a, just such a sound performance, I thought, from Carlton. Oh, oh, oh. I don't know whether you want to go first. I just thought they played really, at times, played really powerful surge footy last night. And they, they ran to support one another as well as I've seen this team do. It was like a, Total football-type performance without the polish at the end. I, I thought, and it agreed, Gold Coast were, you know, flat to the boards. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was stuff about that performance that I, I can understand why David Teague was pretty excited about what he saw at the end of that one. I had a few notes to write down, but I thought I'd let Andy and Sam just talk about it. I, I can I can hear their voices. Sam, I'll let you go, mate. And I'll just, no, I'll just touch on whatever. Come on, I reckon man. you two are going to go through every part of every second of that game and just talk about it and, and live through it. This is your field of expertise. I just wanted to make mention the fact that the Blues are six-day break, Jared. The Suns four, mm. humidity. The Suns the week prior to five-day break and the Blues six. I mean, these are the inconsistencies we know with the fixture the way it is at the moment, but the Suns were flat. Clearly, this is going to play a big part in the remainder of the season as well and whether we have a pre-finals buy and what that, the difficulties in arranging oh, the yeah. floating fixture because the Suns were just cooked last night, it seemed, and the Blues were great. But 7-18, though, uh, Andy, if, if percentage is going to be a factor, that was a real missed opportunity. But, I, no, I, I make room for you here, Hodgie. I'm interested in your insights. <laughs> Um, I think, as you said, every team's going to come through the, the four-day break. Uh, we did see Port Adelaide, I think, beat Bulldogs off a four-day break when they really struggled. Um, you look at it, and Gold Coast didn't play the way that we've seen them play the last few years, but it's either two ways. Either they were either told by Dewey to just compose himself, considering they knew they were going to be fatigued, that it was hot weather, trying to save some energy, but maintain possession of the balls, either that or Carlton's defence was just too good. And I don't want to take anything away from Carlton here because that's what it could have been. But every time you look up, uh, Gold Coast, when they had the ball, they weren't rolling, they weren't trying to hit. I, I feel for King and, and Day that were playing up forward because every time the ball actually got down there, 
Oh, they were playing on two young, def- or two two defenders who are working really well together, um, but they just didn't get a chance to get in open space. I've I've seen King so many times this year. Mark on the lead, uh, his agility is outstanding, but he just didn't get a chance because by the time they got it down there, they had numbers back, and the and the blokes that were playing on him um, were, were bigger and stronger. So um, I, I can put half it down to I think the Gold Coast mindset fatigue, but also I think you got to pat. Carlton on the back and say their, their defensive effort when they had the ball they were exciting they moved the ball well they gave themselves scoring opportunities but also defensively that's where you normally drop away when you're a bit tired and I thought Carlton were excellent in that area. Weedering was really good Joe. Jeez he's had a good season yes. and he hasn't he the, the, uh, that, he made it look like a dry ball you know Eddie Betts dropped what six chess marks mm. I mean Weedering <laughs> Weedering's mark and everything Plowman was good as well we know he's agreed to a new three year deal so they're pretty steady that back six now. Yeah I thought Jones was good I thought Jones, yeah, Jones was yep. and the other one Tom Williamson is not well known around the competition, but those who followed his career path understand he's had some pretty, you know, troubling back issues in the last couple of years. He's a very important cog. He plays tough. He actually defends. He plays hard. He defends, and he's actually a pretty good rebounder. And yep. they haven't had much of that. They haven't had much of that. He's a, he's a pretty important player, Williamson. He's just getting better and better each week. And some signs from another Tom that we spoke about off air, Jared. Tom DeConing, who's, who's oh, come man. in as a, as a necessity, but now has shown some real glimpses and a couple more last night as well. And Harry Mackay, I think late in the game he had 13 score involvements. He kicked two goals, four. There, there was a bag for him on offer. He wasn't able to quite complete his work. But he... After he got through his first two kicks of the night, one which seemed to come off the studs of his boot and the other one that brushed his big toe, um, he, he was ter- he, I mean, he was the commanding presence up front. Hodgie, he's imposing. I, I, I was surprised. I was watching the TV and had the TV commentary on. I was a bit surprised by some of the commentary around him eulogise, lauding his, his kicking because he's, he's not a great kick. He's well, not, and his kicking for goal is not his strong suit at all. I was actually one of my notes I got down here is I love his kicking style. Yeah. When when he, when he flushes it, he's relaxed, he's laid back, uh, and he just looks just effortless. But as you said, it it's not as consistent as what he likes. But in saying that, when he when he does flush it, it is something he can work with, and, and it does look very smooth when he gets it. Um, so he's he's obviously going to be a star from. But what what I've noticed from Carlton, um, we've, we've been saying for a few years that Cripps has had to do it all himself. What I've really liked is they're, they're starting to spread. It's not about Cripps having 35 touches and getting 10 or 12 clearances. Murph was back. He found the ball heaps last night. Walsh, again, he's continued yeah, to, to develop. It's just starting to spread into a good, consistent midfield rather than just a Cripps who's going to take control of a game for him to win. Or if he doesn't, then they lose. Ed Kerno's an easy player to overlook. You know, he's a blue collar. He's not terribly nice to the eye. In terms of the way he plays, but he has been his level of consistency over a long period of time now. You know, been a top three in the best and fairest a couple of years now, um, and this year when others have been fluctuating their form around the, the middle of the ground for Carlton, Kerno's been an absolute constant. And again, last night he was he was as bankable as any player Carlton had between the arcs last night. He wasn't their best, but. His last four or five weeks have been very, very good. Mm. Ran with Weller, didn't he, as well? Mm. And he works both ways. Kicked a handy goal. Super runner. Super mm. fit. I just wonder, two high draft picks who can't get into that side at the moment. And I think some of the, if there has been criticism at Carlton's list this year, it's a, it's a pretty mature setup in and around the ball. So Paddy Dow can't get a game yeah. at the moment. Can't get in the side. And although he plays half back, you know, Lockie O'Brien's not playing. And Cade Simpson, obviously, at the twilight of his career. So you do wonder. Liam Stocker leaving the hub would ideally probably have taken Cade Simpson's spot this year. So... 
you do wonder, they can't get in the side. They're obviously not playing the best of football. Whether you just like a little bit more green shoots in and around that for the future. Well, well Teague mentioned last night about Zach Fisher. Zach Fisher had to wait a couple yeah. of weeks to come in. And Teague made the reference to him in post-game that we, we, he, when he came into the side, he was in good form. And his form's just he's parlayed from the scrimmage into the AFL and he's, he's not, missed a meet, not missed a beat since he's come back in. I wonder whether they're just waiting, A, mm. for an opportunity to open up for the guys you've mentioned, but get into that sort of nick, Hodgie, so that, you know, when you do come in, you're in a good mental space and you're actually playing good footy. I think Carlton are past that stage where you're just giving kids games for the sake of it. I, yeah. know, I know a lot of clubs did that. I, I know when we were young at Hawthorne, we gave Bud Ruffy and Louis as much game time because we could see the potential. Uh, I think Carlton are now, as you said, they're, they're sitting on the verge of the eight. Um, they've got a draw uh, for the next few weeks that's given them a chance to play finals footy again. So they're obviously at that development stage where it's not like come along and we'll, we'll give you a game. You need to work hard. Either someone's going to be injured or, or be out of form for you to get your spot. And as I said, Fish was outstanding. The way he set up goals, his pressure, his intensity around the well, footy was, was great to watch. It all does emphasise just how much was funnelled into the Nunes kick last week and when we run backwards from the end is Huge. what sort of sliding doors yeah. moment that is. So on the Suns, and the deck has been stacked against them two weeks running against well-rested teams, and they have they started three and one, so they've won one of their next nine, which is, it is familiar, and they haven't won in their past six. There's a draw in there. It feels like there's no question that yes. they are making the progress that we now expect, and yet... And we had this conversation a bit about Carlton. Sometimes the win-loss lags behind that. Luke, are you? Are the Suns getting what they should out of this season in their progression? Yeah, I think the Suns have had a. I guess the last three years they've started really well, and then I know last year I think they were three and zip. Um, we I think the Lions played them, uh, and it was to go to second or third on the letter, whoever won. So they've had the potential the last few years to start well and kick on. But then when it gets to the business end of the season where teams are really starting to hit, flick the switch and, and lift the intensity, they've sort of fallen away a little bit. And I guess you've you got, you got to expect that with, with a younger team. But they're starting to get those older guys uh, in at the moment um, that they've brought in from other clubs. So there's no doubt Drew would be a little bit disappointed that sort of how they've dropped away. But this is a funny year. Um, they still have a lot of younger guys that are coming through. And, and I think everyone who's watched footy this year has been so impressed by the young guys that they've played, but also the impact that they've had um, on, on all the games. And, and you could sort of see a bright future for them. So this season, with, with the shorter breaks, is going to, I guess, become a bit harder for, for those younger guys who are, who are playing probably more than, than what they would have uh, anyway. The eye tells you there heading in the right direction, yep. doesn't it? And I mean, that it could happen rapidly. Yeah, Is there a few yeah. comparisons have been made to the season. The Lions lost all their close mm. games and then once they righted that, mm. and you live through that, Luke. So um, four wins wouldn't be enough out of this season if that's if they weren't to win again. I think they'd need one or two on the way in. They wouldn't want to go the last ten rounds without a win. I oh no, think. no, that'd be a terrible, that'd be a terribly damp way to finish the year, wouldn't it? Mm. That was probably their worst loss last night for quite some time. Maybe the Cats at Caninia uh, Park was was the last time they played that poorly, and they were blown off the pub. But three of their first five they won in 2018, and then smashed three of their first four last year, and then smashed. They've been close in so many of these recent losses that you mentioned, Jared. Aside from the draw, five points to the Dogs, four points to the Saints, um, and then they'll in that game for a large period against the Tigers oh, as well. So, yeah, absolutely. So you just hope. Now, don't you, that they don't completely fall off the cliff? Yeah.
Yeah. And, and you look at their last four games, you're probably saying, well, who knows with the, the Q clash, they normally get themselves up for that, but they've got North Melbourne, who they're right in the game with. Uh, the, obviously, the Q clash, they've got Collingwood, who, with all these injuries, I know they're starting to get a couple back, but they've got so many injuries. And then Hawthorne, who, Sicily's out, they're starting to make a lot of changes. So they could come back with a bit of a run. So, as you said, they'd expect to win a few of those just to finish off the year, just to say, in a, such a tough year that they've, they have improved. Blues by 33 over the Suns last night. Sam... Talk to us about the grand final because this this is one of the most momentous moments in league history next week when the first grand final will be announced outside Victoria. Yeah, in the game's history, Jared. Now, talks feverish behind the scenes between the three parties. Obviously, the AFL, the Victorian government, the Daniel Andrews government and the MCC, the Melbourne Cricket Club. So the Victorian government has told the AFL, Jared, we're pretty sensitive about where this grand final's played. Do not play this grand final in Sydney. Now, that might be unlikely anyway, but given the major events rivalry that now exists between yeah. those two states, and the Victorians know that New South Wales is coming for them. We've seen what's happening in the in the racing space as well. But we all think it's going to go to Queensland. Now, they're the raging favourite, but the government and the MCC have been for a long time faced a lot of uncertainty over what they asked for compensation-wise, resigned to the fact that the game will be going, well, what do they ask for? A one-year extension will be definitely tabled, so tying it to the end of 2058 now, the grand final of Victoria. Oh, that's a relief. We can yeah, mark exactly. the calendar there, 2058. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the government had pushed, actually, they had multiple years to that, and the AFL said, no, no, the one year is logical. Let's not be silly about things. But a, a, a big part of it as well is the Western Bulldogs emerging as compensation fodder as well, if you like, Jared. So the, the government really keen on regional Victoria to maintain a stake in the game. Now, the Dogs deal in to play two games a year in Ballarat expires at the end of next year. So I think the Dogs will be the beneficiaries there. They've sought some assurances, the government, that the Dogs will, that extension will take place and the Dogs will play more games in Ballarat as well. Um, where the Brownlow medal is staged had been thrown up, but that hasn't been raised in conversations of late. But the national draft could be tied to Victoria. I know we've had the last few here anyway for a period of time as another layer of compensation as well. So it's going to happen. The talks have been cordial. There's no issue there. Um, just the fact the Victorian government not too keen on the grand final going to Sydney, Jerry. Yeah. So Sydney, veto. Adelaide, too slow. Yep. Didn't read the play and put themselves in it at a time when they might have. And then there's a great piece on the front of the Australian today around the behind-the-scenes politicking and the history of tension between Mark McGowan and the AFL, which goes back through stadium funding and the like. McGowan said yesterday, we've played hard to get, but we've told them they can have it here. And the final proposal, which includes the whole final series, should they choose, is being put forward. But I thought Anastasia Pelachet has just had a nice way about her the whole way through. And when she said last Monday, um, we'd like all Victorians to get behind it, uh, that wasn't by accident. That wasn't that wasn't a desperation as we need public support here. I think that was a statement of confidence. Um, her problem now is that... We, so WA had limited their number to 30,000 max and that really did, I think, settle things. There was no coincidence in the leak out of the government saying they thought they could get to 30,000. It felt like between 18 and 22,000, but then suddenly, no, we think we can match that 30,000. And I just wonder what a cluster does to that. It's, it's political gymnastics to say that publicly whilst you're moving to sort of lockdown suburbs. I don't know whether that guarantee can be part of it when the final papers are lodged. Could not be worse timing, could it? Given no. they're just... The, 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 
finger is on the button to make the decision for the Gabba. And you speak to all the parties here. They're resigned to the fact it's going to go there. It's the logical choice. All the teams are there, or the vast majority of them now. All the finals could be played there. Um, they won't get it for nothing, though. The AFL have been pretty keen to at least facilitate some form of a bidding war, as it were, so that Brisbane would sort of pony up a little bit to get the game there, the Queensland government. But this timing this morning, nine new active cases overnight, you do hope they can get that under control sooner rather than later. We can get... 15,000 just doesn't sound... We can't be greedy in this situation, Jared. but uh, 15,000 at the Gabba doesn't hold a candle to 30. Point you made before, Jared, about the, the, the pressure on the AFL to sort of pump the accelerator, the accelerator a little bit here now. If they don't have the time up their sleeve, you know, with COVID, if it does get on the march in Queensland... That throws in a whole lot of challenges now. In terms of, you've talked about Gold Coast, what the compound interest of back-to-back short breaks have been for them. If we can't guarantee all finalists a break between the end of round 18 and the start of the final series, it feels like there's going to be a couple of teams likely to play finals footy who are going to be hard done by you. You're better at doing the... Yeah, so a bit... um Less hard done by and more, in my, to my eye, is there's a couple who simply won't be able to win it if there's not a buy leading into the finals. And maybe that's the way that it should be. This is where you're strong on this, Luke, and always have been. So you'd be comfortable on the attritional factor to this without, without the break? Yeah, I was always a big believer that the break was brought into even the competition up for the finals. Um, I was a big believer that if you finish in the top four and you won that, that first final, that you deserve the break because you did the hard work to finish on top and then you go from there. And it sort of takes everything away. I know this year's totally different because every team's going in uh, with injuries and stuff like that, with, with shorter breaks and stuff. But I, I can understand if they need to get the season done, get rid of that get rid of that buy and just play it straight in. And I know it's going to be tough for some teams, but footy's a tough game and it, it's been like that for a number of years. So I think it had... The people I'd spoken to in the last four days just felt like the buy was going to be there. I think yep. that's less sure now than it was. Is that sense that we were racing the pandemic at eased? I reckon yeah. it might well, sharpen a few minds today that the racing against the pandemic is still on. Uh, there's a, a lot before us, including who's going to be where, Sam. As Collingwood supporters, I think, would have had a little shudder go through their camp when it uh, was confirmed last night that Steel Sidebottom is going to return home for the birth of his child. Yep. Uh, and he will leave the Pies after Monday night's game. He will. He will. The Pies play North Melbourne and then Steel Sidebottom back down to Melbourne. Now, if he's going to come back, he has to come back quick because the last train to Trans Central, Jared, is September 1. If you're not on that flight north, the AFL's last play, and Gillian McLaughlin will be on board, you're not getting back into the hub. So the hope, the expectation from Collingwood is that he will be. But that's obviously a very tight turnaround. And without knowing his private situation, and perhaps nor should we, with the birth of his first child, he might not. I mean, there's no guarantees that he gets back there. And um, that is a huge piece of the puzzle for Collingwood with Steel Sidebottom. So we understand family comes first and a number of other players have made a similar decision to him, albeit his window is very, very small. And we're talking less than a week to get back there. Mm. But Luke, these are, these are big moments in a young man's life. Yeah, they are. And I think the... Uh the, the births, obviously he's going back for, for that reason, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as oh, his, his partner's had the, the baby and then he comes back. Mm. Everyone knows with lockdown down there, they won't have family around, they won't have friends that can pop around and give her a hand. Um, my gut feel would be if he's going down there to, to be there when his baby's 
born that he's going to stay there and help his partner. So I know Collingwood supporters are, are saying we want him back up here, but I think in the big scheme of things, for him to go back and help his partner with their newborn is, is the main priority for Steele. And, and coming back up for a few weeks of football um, probably wouldn't be high on his agenda considering what's going on down south. We spoke to Scotty Jamison during the week, uh, captain of Melbourne City, and he left the hub up there in Sydney. They finished second on the A-League ladder. They've got a finals campaign starting next Wednesday. Came home to do exactly what Steel Sidebottom's done. Uh, there was the baby came late. It was an emergency C-section. The, the partners from Russia, Scotty Jamison's family's in Sydney, so it was Scott, the partner, and the baby. And exactly like you're saying, Hodgie, no support network around them. Uh, and he just decided this is too hard. I can't leave my partner mm. and this child to go back, even though I am the captain. And this is a campaign that we can win. Uh, I can't do it. So you and never know. You ne- and the point you make about, you know, nobody can get over there to help the side-bottom that's, family. That's a, such a pertinent point at the moment, isn't it? Something that we always take for granted. Mum and dad come and help. Grandparents yep. come and help. Well, you can't do that now. And I think that's what got hit with the players at the start. Everyone was saying, oh, cricketers go and do it. People go away for their job all the time. But the fact is, is normally when cricketers go away or other people have to move for, for their work is they've got so many, so many people who come around and, and give help to, to their wife or partner. Um, where that's the big thing now down south, you can't. So that's that. That will be the main thing on Steel's Steel's mind once the baby's born. Is is who's going to help his partner? And the proposition or the uh, the wishful thinking that Ablett and Edwards would be able to go as housemates and sort of get ahead of the September one. Um, yeah. Uh, flight is uh, has been scuppered. Love the initiative, though, don't you? I mean, what a great story it would have been. And they'd been in dialogue directly, the two players, about living together and training together and setting up an area where they could do it. It would have been amazing, given they're probably going to clash deep, deep into the finals. But it was always highly unlikely. And speaking to the AFL last week, I, I wasn't even sure after speaking to a few people there at AFLS whether they would even take it as a proposal to the Queensland government. The general line of thinking being, well, it's going to take staff to monitor the two. It's going to cost to monitor the two, to put the two up there. And for the sake of a few days before September 1, is it really all worth it? And there was a bit of a, a concern about how far can we stretch the friendship with the Queensland government after everything they've done? Are we then going to ask an exemption for these two guys? And, you know, I think it all just got a little bit too hard. Um, and the decision was made that, no, guys, you're going to have to come up on September 1, which cost them a little bit of time. They only get the one game to get ready for finals, that being the, the end of uh, the home and away season. But they've both been training super hard down here and um, modern science, modern training methods, you'd think they'd be okay with that, Jared. It'd it's, make it's you nervy, Hodgie, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's still not the same. You can do as much training as mm. you can and I think we've seen that with, with blokes who've been training in, in groups and then trying to step up the AFL level. You can train as much as you can and as soon as you go from, say, even from a pre-season into a NAB Cup game, you're that you're that scratchy your first real hit out and that's what these guys got to be doing they're, they're going to be training running by yourself you, you talk about the players who have come back and had injury issues straight away from the when they've had the COVID break they've had four weeks to train as a group and then jump straight into yeah. AFL football from round two onwards and we've had so many soft tissues these guys Gaz is 36 uh, how old's Edwards he's 30 odd I'd yeah, say absolutely. roughly yep. um, so it's not as if you can just flick, your, flick the switch and say uh, oh, my body's 18 I can, I can adjust to this so it's going to be it's going to be some scary moments or some some uh, nervous moments for, for the fitness staffs and also the players when they're jumping straight back into an AFL game. That, the Ablett one does draw the eye, Luke, because uh, to his word, this is it for him. So he's going to yep. get dropped into round 18 into a team that is really well set at the moment. Who's to say it will be by round 18? 
and get one go essentially to prove that he's ready for a final series. I, I just, I, I reckon the tension around this has been a little bit underplayed. You're saying there's no guarantee to be picked? He'll definitely play <laughs> round 18, 100%. Yeah, but then if he has a understandably well, what, what a quiet do you do? Game. What do you do yeah. if he's no good, if he's not ready for it? And yeah. the next week, say there's no buy, or even if there is a buy, yeah. what do you do heading into a qualifying fight? It's absolutely unthinkable, and yet these, these are going to be margin calls, I reckon. To, to be safe, you'd normally put him in there and put him either, put Edwards deep back or, or Gaz at full forward and just say, look, you guys build into the game. You might play a little bit higher, come back and rest and have a lot of time rotating off. But what I saw last week against Port Adelaide was Hawkins kick six. You had Gary Rowan kick three and be dashing in and out. And then to rest Danger, Danger played full forward. Um, so he could get his rest and play more minutes. So it's not just the old rest him deep and, and go from there. It's He's actually have to come on and play in... in this is flow into a team who's just flogged the, the latter leaders by 60 points. Mm. Luke Dalhouse is out of the side too, so there's another one in that role that we're probably thinking he can get back into it as in, well. In saying that, it is Gaz. Yeah, that's right. right. You can't, you can't, that's, that's, he's can't, a legend of the game. You can't see. You can't. There's got to be somebody in the 22 who able to even offer limited oh, yeah. preparation it, plays not, instead yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. So he know. plays. Yeah. Yeah, but, but what if in round eighteen he scratches yeah, all yeah, hell? Yeah. Would they That's be brave? Gets, yeah. Would they be brave enough to say thanks, guys, everything you've done, but we're not picking <laughs> no, in this first? No, you <laughs> can't do that. Of course not. And, and, and no one, Gaz, for someone who's been, he, it's not as if he's going to come in and not have touched a footy. Like, well, I think we all agree that he doesn't go to ground. He's as clean as anyone. And yes, a lot of us will be scratching. He might be scratchy to his his own level, but he's still going to take a good defender. He could drag him away from space. He's still going to play his role. So there's no doubt Geelong are going to play him and keep him in that side because of who he is, what he's done. But it's also what he does to the opposition when they're playing on him. They, you can't just let Gary Ablett go and play by himself 30 metres out and, and drop off him or or squeeze up. So it's it's the mindset of what he's going to do to the opposition as well. How would you have been, Luke, if you'd been Port Adelaide's captain this week and two of your players just belligerently ignore the rules that you we are bound to live by as an AFL player at the moment? And the most telling part, I thought, was the phrase, they have wasted everybody's time. So for two days, after Port Adelaide have been spanked by another contender, they have to waste all this energy on two delinquents who can't follow the rules. Yeah, I think when you've got 800 players uh, in the AFL system, there's going to be some misdemeanours and, and some, some stuff-ups along the way. And we've already seen it with, well, there would be probably up to 10 players being either fined or suspended. So you're always going to get some. And there's probably so many out there that, that haven't been caught as well. Um, for, for a team to be in this position on top of the ladder, you're probably sitting there going, well, that's pretty silly considering the main the main ruck, are two, two very important people of their team. You'd be probably a bit disappointed, but... In, in saying that, um, yeah, they, they've they've made it. So there's no doubt. As soon as they've done it, they got caught. They were they they apologised and said that what a stuff up it is. But said Port coming off a loss like that, they got a few nervous weeks going into the finals. You, you want your best team sort of hitting their straps leading into leading into end of September. Should the pair of them count themselves incredibly lucky that they weren't given the same punishment as Elijah Taylor at the Swans? No, n- not for me because the the two breaches are different. We have to recognise that one was the breaching of state, state laws, yep. which really, if, if Western Australia had turned around and said to Sydney, out, yep. get out of the state, they would have been absolutely within their rights, which is one level above. These are the rules that AFL players have to live by, imposed by the competition to stay consistent. From t- So they are, for me, they are, they are clearly a different level of misdemeanour. But both have the same consequence in terms of COVID. 
Not really, because you, the Port Adelaide players didn't breach a quarantine which is there to protect public health. Um, that's not the scenario that, that they breached. What they breached was essentially the AFL's yes. agreement yeah. to be able to... Which this is stricter. how we'll all yeah. behave. And it doesn't really apply in Adelaide anyway. It's more for the teams who are displaced in... Both equally brazen for mine. I oh, mean, no, oh. I'm not excusing it in any way, but I do think there's a different level. A tier, yeah. Yeah. There was something telling, I reckon, about the tone of voice from the two public Port Adelaide officials that spoke about it this week. They were, they were angry. They were there was a quiet seething about Chris Davies and, and um, Ken Inkley when they spoke this week. They might. I'm going to be interested to see whether this manifests on Port Adelaide's performance today. I don't know whether that stuff ever, ever does, Hodgie, whether you, know, you, you get angry as a group because a couple of your teammates have, have let the whole place down and... and you, that, that kind of like a shot in the arm for a footy team a couple of days later. Does that does that ever flow on, do you think? Uh, teammates are normally pretty quick to forgive um, each other. As, as long as they're, they're heartfelt, they'll, they'll, if they had went to them and said, look, we, we stuffed up. Yes, we had a couple of drinks. We got some people around. Um, we, we, know, we know we've all... Teammates are pretty forgiving when it's stuff like that, when they're honest and they own up to, to their mistakes. Uh, but in saying that, if... If they start to lose a few games or, or people in their position, if McAvoy comes out and dominates this week um, <laughs> because he's not there, that's where they sort of say, well, you put yourself before the team. But um, in the situation, Port are, they'll be back before the finals. Um, I'd say it'd be more Ken Hinkley who's got to make scratch his head and say, who are we going to do to replace these two guys and, and the club? Because that's where the AFL will come down on the club. The Obviously, South Australian government will come down, and then so do sponsors and kind of and stuff like that, just because they're doing the wrong thing. But teammates are normally more forgiving than, than the staff members. <laughs> Port play the Hawks at Adelaide Oval. The Hawks are on the move from the Barossa Valley. They'll have packed their gear in their Samsonite business bags. Work from anywhere with a Samsonite business bag. Why are the Tigers so angry? We'll ponder that next. Crunch time is for Cleanaway of Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. Never miss a goal with McDelivery. Our rapid-fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving. RapidTune.com.au. Jared Waitley, Andy Marsam, Edmund, Luke Hodge. Hodge, you can take the first. Why are the Tigers so cantankerous? <laughs> they're, they're not angry. They're, uh, they're trying to find motivation. That's what they're doing. Um, when you've climbed a mountain as many times as what they have, uh, sometimes the motivation isn't there. And everyone, I know people are sort of saying that it's AFL, it's winning a premiership. But you could even hear at the start when we're talking about going into the hubs, Cochin, Rewalt, they were saying, oh, well, they might not go because their family's more important, that they're going to stay home with their families. Uh, if, they, if that was Richmond three or four or five years ago, they were, they were moving anything to go into a hub. They'd do anything to play in a premiership. So what they're doing now is they're trying to find motivation. Every club goes through it. There's no doubt Geelong went through it. Uh, in 2010, 11, 12, the Lions, you know, three, four, five. I know Hawthorne went through it in, in 2016. If you've been up for so long, sometimes it just it, it grinds, it grinds along. And this is what they're trying to do. Lynch is trying to be physical because that's how he reckons he can impose himself on a game. You can see Dimmer. Dimmer's even getting a little bit narky in the media, which normally, when he talks about Mrs. Hardwick and there's a smile and all this and that. So that's all I see him doing. I see him trying to trying to get motivation, trying to be physical, trying to impose himself, just to let all the other teams know that they, these are a beast, or a, t- a beast of a team. They're a damn good side, and what they've done in the last few years, that's what they're capable of doing again. Is it taking away any, just what we've been through in the last six weeks, going back to 
maybe going back to the stuff that Hodge and all the way through, is it taking any of the gloss off what Richmond's built itself on through this great run? You know, this the heart and soul, the vulnerability, the be who you are, we we accept everyone, be honest and true. This they have been in they've been ahead of the game. They've been ahead of the game with all this stuff. And yet I wonder whether what they're going through at the moment is just taking a bit of a bit of the gloss off that. Sheen off. Yeah. Uh, they do, possibly at the moment. But in yeah, just at the moment. Years, in 10 years' time, you're going to look back and go, oh, Richmond were a little bit narky in rounds 12, 13, 14, 15, but, geez, they went on to win the premiership. No, you're going to sit back and go, they won two out of three premierships. Oh, sorry, three out of four premierships. They were physical. Uh, they brought in blokes who were happy to play their way. That That's what you're going to remember. So, yes, at the moment, you probably sit back going, well, it's not the fun, lovey team that were joking around in a, in a final against us up in Brisbane last year when we were on top and in front on the scoreboard. Um, but that's what you've got to do because the bigger picture is they're doing this to win a premiership and this is, I, I, I believe this is how they're trying to get themselves up for the, for the next eight weeks of the year. Like what Hodgie's saying though, Jerry, there's two parts to it, isn't it? The footy side itself probably don't give a stuff how they're perceived, but the club does. Oh, and yeah, that's, if, that's you, if you drew up a, a, a ladder on the public relations stakes, Richmond will be 18th with a percentage of 35. I mean, right throughout the year, they've made headlines for all the wrong reasons. A hub request, you know, players in touch with Gillan McLaughlin. Now, Dimmer blowing his stack with an extraordinary personal sledge, it must be said, that uh, I just couldn't believe came out of a coach's mouth. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. David Schwartz. So Peggy O'Neill, I think, points to this. And, and Brendan Gale, so uber calm as he is. But when it comes to the side itself, they're highly combative at the moment. But, you know, any successful team, if, you're, if you've won premierships and you do something, compared to if you've been on the bottom of the, on the, of the ladder and do the same thing... People are more forgiving because, oh, that's okay. They're trying. They're trying to make a name for himself. They're trying to build something by crossing the boundaries. Hawthorne went through that in 0405. We were, we were the mama's boys, and then we all, all of a sudden were unsociable hawks, and then we turned into thugs. Um, so it's, this, this, is, this is what you've got, you got to sit back at. Yes, the, the, the pitch on the outside looks like that, I oh, know, they're, they're dirty players or, or they're trying to build up this and that, and it doesn't come across nice, but... That, that comes with success. People try and bring down the teams that have been successful, but they're always more flexible with teams that are trying to build something to create their own identity, I guess. Tex Walker plays his 200th game this weekend. What becomes of him at season's end, Hodgie? He's still got a year to run in Adelaide, but the words from his own mouth, it, it led you to think that he's now just grappling with the fact that it's probably not going to be with Adelaide. So he's got to work out whether he's happy to play somewhere else and see if he can revitalise or whether he calls time early. I, I think the big thing is, as a forward, especially with the, the presence and the media profile of, of Tex and what he's done in, in his career, where, wherever he goes, there's going to be so much pressure on him um, because he's going to come as a big name. No matter how much he's getting paid, that's, that's irrelevant. It's the name that he brings and what he's done in the past. So moving as a forward, you're expected to kick goals and set up goals and take clutch marks as he's done. It's a lot different from going across as a defender where you can play a role, you fit into a structure, the limelight's not on you getting the ball. Uh, it's about stopping your opposition. So it's always tougher. And, and that was the, the difficulty that Ruffy had uh, when he was sort of in and out. Does he go on? Does he stay? Does he get traded? Does he look somewhere else? 
there was t- there's too much pressure on a big name forward to swap over because if you look at Lynch, if he's not kicking goals, he's playing good footy. But if he's not kicking goals, he's not doing his job. Uh, my, my gut feeling advice to him would be stay at Adelaide um, and and work through this. Yes, the connections miss with his with his midfielders. The ball's not going down there as much, but also they miss that. I've known I've said it a number of times that they've missed that eight weeks of, of period during the COVID part where he didn't have a connection with these younger guys with a new coach's game style. So 12 months later, with another pre-season, he'll get more opportunities and there won't be as much pressure on him if he stays at Adelaide and finishes his career there. I think under the moment, Brad Crouch, one minute's leaving, then the next minute he wants to come back and the coach doesn't know about it. This one here, Taylor Walker's in the media saying, oh, I need to have a, I, I need, I've got to ask Matthew Nick some questions about this, flagging the fact that he's going to go and have a conversation. He doesn't need to ask Nick some questions. He's already floated that... In terms of dealing with a couple of their front liners, it just doesn't it doesn't feel like the channels of communication from the outside looking in between some pretty key players of that footy club are necessarily as smooth and as clear as they could be. I think it tells you that this is not where they plan to be. So Mark Rashido now sort of very calmly and explicitly explains full rebuild. This wasn't their view coming into the season. Mm. They didn't have the conversation with the senior players saying this because this is not where they expected to be. It's really hard in the course of a season to jackknife to it, and they've had no choice because mm. they can't win a game. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. So it does leave like Tex is not going to play in another successful team if he plays out one more year in Adelaide. That's going to be it. He has to though. They've got to keep it. They have to keep grounds on the grounds that they've got a young, very young forward line, Himmelberg and the like. You need to keep some balls in the paddock, right? So he's, I know it's not all about stats, but he's kicked eleven goals this year which is double the next best, basically. They've got to keep him. He's 30 years of age. You've got to keep some mentorship around a young group. Surely, Luke Hodge. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was sort of getting at. It would be better for him to stay, better for the club club to stay. I think it would be up to Tex. I reckon, I reckon if he said he wanted to leave, the, the club would be happy to, to move him on, but I can't see it happening. They've been through too much. If he can stay down there and train up the, the other young forwards coming through and then finish his career as, a, as an Adelaide player, especially over in South Australia, um, I, I think it would be a lot better for him now, but also post-football as well. They've got two first-round draft picks quickly as well, Jared. So they are well-stocked. Brad Crouch leaves. There's another compensation pick in as well. So three pretty high picks regardless of Tex moving on. Who's got the better midfield, Hodgie, as we prepare for the Bulldogs in Melbourne? Bontempelli, McRae, Dunkley, Liberatore, Smith, Petrarca, Viney, Brayshaw, Oliver. <laughs> Who's got you, the better uh, midfield? You haven't thrown an easy one here, have you? <laughs> uh, look, I, I, you, could t- you could ask me this weekend and I'd say one answer and then next weekend I could say different. It all depends on what they get and what the opposition bring. Mm. If you look through, as you said, Bontempelli, Dunkley, McRae, Smith, Hunter, if they can get their link-up handball game going as we've seen so many times this year, they look really good and they embarrass opposition midfields. But on the flip side, if, if you've got the likes of Petraka, Oliver, Viney, Brayshaw, Jones, that can really pressure them and turn the ball over then the doggies have been known to, to turn the ball as as what the Blues did to them. I'll so, ask uh, you again on Tuesday, hey? <laughs> Let's do it enough, then. I've got the doggies for the win today. They'll keep you moving with their huge range of services. Book online at rapidtune.com.au. Luke Hodge, John Crunch Time.